When could an employee's resignation actually be a dismissal? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. It's Yasa Yaslake Isma, and uh, I know it might seem a little bit strange that you're not hearing uh, Barry Gordon Davis's voice, but unfortunately, he is inundated and has his hands tied in arbitration, so he won't be joining us for today's episode. But once again, obviously, to our listeners, thanks for joining in. Thanks for tuning in. And today we have LabourNet's Bianca Fenter, Key Accounts Industrial Relations Consultant, who will be taking us through another episode of Stuff Employees Should Know. Hi, Yasser. Bianca here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm looking forward to discussing the topic with everyone. And today's topic, they say the modern working relationship is akin to marriage, and sometimes marriages do not last. Today we discuss when an employee tenders their resignation. However, under certain circumstances, it could actually be found an unfair dismissal by the employer. So Bianca, when could this situation occur? And what is constructive dismissal? When we look at Section 1861E of the Labor Relations Act No. 66 of 1995, it states that in circumstances where an employee terminated a contract of employment, with or without notice, because the employer made continued employment intolerable for the employee, this is what we commonly see as referred to as constructive dismissal. It means basically that the employee resigns and claims that the resignation occurred not because the employee wanted to leave, but as a result of the employee's intolerable conduct. It must, however, be emphasized that questionable acts by employers won't always constitute constructive dismissal, and therefore we consider a number of elements when we test for this. And it is not a one-size-fits-all approach and should be used with caution. When considering the test, we must also focus on principles. And the biggest one that we normally see in, in what we do is that he who alleges must prove. And this would be appropriate in circumstances pertaining to the disputes of constructive dismissal. Now, everyone is probably wondering, what is this test that we keep speaking about? There's a number of factors that we consider. And in this case, we always advise that we look at the following principles. Number one, to prove constructive dismissal, we need to prove that the employment circumstances were so intolerable that the employee could truly not continue to stay on. Secondly, the unbearable circumstances were the cause of the resignation of the employee. Next, there was no reasonable alternative at the time but for the employee to resign to escape those circumstances. The unbearable situation must have been caused by the employer. And then lastly, the employer must have been in control of these unbearable circumstances. So in this case, when we look at our merits, we would need to determine on each of these elements, is there a risk of potential constructive dismissal? Bianca, my next question is, what is the dispute resolution process for such disputes and who bears the onus of proof? How does the dispute get referred and who has the onus of proof? If we look at the onus of proof in a dispute of constructive dismissal, at the end of the day, the individual, the employee, is claiming and coming forward to say that there were situations that led to their resignation. These situations would need to be proved by the employee as such. He who alleges must prove. If you are saying that your employment relationship was intolerable, at the end of the day, you would be able and would need to prove such elements. In order for us to look at the process of referral, we need to understand that there are different dispute resolution centers. It could be a CCMA, it could be a bargaining council. So although through a majority of this process, we may be referring to CCMA, it does depend on the industry that we're looking at. The first step normally is for the employee, in this case, to complete a 7-11 form. 
this is commonly received on the CCMA's website, so they could get a form directly from the CCMA, and the details of the dispute is contained in that document. There's also a box that could be ticked in this case, which would refer to the constructive dismissal dispute. In this form, commonly, the request, and hopefully this does happen in most cases, employees are required to indicate why they believe that the constructive dismissal situation arose, to give a summary of details. In cases like constructive dismissal, the more information we have, the better. And therefore, if we go through the process, the first step would be CONARB. Now, not to touch too much on the litigation side of things, but commonly with the process, we would look at conciliation first. We would object to having the arbitration process immediately proceed and then deal with the steps accordingly. But there has to be a genuine claim, right? It has to be last resort, not just a second thought for an employee who has resigned. It would need to be a process before deciding to resign. Absolutely. From a constructive dismissal point of view, what we would need to consider when we look at the test previously explained is that, first of all, the employer needs to be made aware of the situation. It is a process internally that we call a grievance process, which could be the individual coming forward, utilizing the formal process, advising the employer of the intolerable environment, and therefore following an appropriate process. In a lot of instances that we see in terms of constructive dismissal, no internal processes have been followed, and the individuals are unable to prove that they utilized the internal processes. Therefore, they did not exhaust all other alternatives before deciding on resigning. So Bianca, what do the courts consider in such matters? And are there any interesting cases you'd like to share with us? The courts consider the, the five elements as previously discussed, but most importantly, they consider intolerability and the accompanying circumstances. An uh, important and a very interesting case is the recent judgment for Gold One Limited versus Madeloni and others, which was in 2020. The Labour Court confirmed that intolerability is a high threshold in constructive dismissal matters. Intolerability is more than just the working environment or working under conditions that are difficult, unpleasant or stressful. In this case, the employee was employed by a mining company as a contract manager. Consequent to a commercial merger, the employee was relocated to a different province and received a reallocation allowance. The employee was transferred on the same terms and conditions of employment. However, after the transfer, the employee supervisor noticed that he was not adhering to the employer's policy on timekeeping. The supervisor later requested the employee to participate in formal counseling sessions facilitated by the company's HR department. After these sessions, there was an exchange of correspondence between the employee and the supervisor, the employee eventually claimed that the sessions amounted to clear attempt by the employee to undermine the contract of employment and to make his employment continually be intolerable. The employee elected not to report for duty and referred an unfair dismissal dispute to the CCMA claiming constructive dismissal. Now, when we look at the test for constructive dismissal, it should be noted, as previously said, that there's an extremely high threshold, especially when we consider a matter being set down at the Labour Court. And in this matter, the Labour Court expanded on the concept of intolerability by saying that it entails an unendurable, agonizing circumstance marked by the conduct of the employer that must have brought the employee's tolerance to a breaking point. In this case, the Labour Court found that the employee failed to show that the employer was to blame for making her continued employment intolerable, and therefore there were other suitable alternative remedies that she could have made available before resorting to resignation. Okay, Bianca, that definitely was an interesting case. Thanks for sharing. 
But what are the consequences of a court commission finding the resignation to actually be an unfair termination? According to Section 1932B of the Labor Relations Act, it says that when there is instances where a case has been found to be unfair, whether it is substantively or procedurally unfair, there could be three things that could be awarded. In a case where we have constructive dismissal, it may differ a little bit. If we look at the three instances, it's number one, reinstatement, reemployment, or compensation. However, the labor court or the arbitrator must require the employer to reinstate or reemploy unless the employee does not wish to be reinstated or reemployed. The circumstances surrounding dismissal are such that continued employment relationship would not be tolerable, which in this case, constructive dismissal. Should an employee be successful at the CCMA in proving constructive dismissal occurred, the commissioner who arbitrated the dispute may award the employee up to 12 months of compensation. Now that is the maximum for a normal unfair dismissal dispute in terms of constructive dismissal. However, sometimes we run the risk that some elements of infringement of the employee's fundamental rights are involved in the case. This could be anything related to direct or indirect discrimination, arbitrary grounds such as race, gender, sex, etc. In cases like this, if the employee is able to prove automatic unfair dismissal, that would be up to 24 months of compensation that can be awarded to these individuals. 24 months? That is quite a hectic one for the employees to deal with. So, Bianca, my concluding question is, how do employers prevent constructive dismissal? What is the employer's responsibility? The first requirement is for the employer to act as soon as possible once we've identified that there is a potential risk of constructive dismissal. Now, commonly what we advise is that the company has a holistic grievance procedure in place where employees can come forward with any feelings of dissatisfaction or perceived unfair treatment. If the matter is considered in terms of the grievance process, it is a common resolution that the parties can amicably resolve the situation or should further attempts need for resolution, then those can be considered. It is also extremely important in these cases that we consider awareness in terms of the Code of Good Practice on prevention and elimination of harassment within the workplace. This is a piece of legislation that was published on the 18th of March 2022 by the Minister of Employment and Labour. Previously, employers had to be concerned in terms of their harassment policy and the Harassment Code of Good Practice in terms of sexual harassment. However, with the new recent introductions, it does create more onus on the employer to create the safe, healthy working environment. Moral of the story in constructive dismissal cases is that as soon as we identify any potential risk in terms of grievances, etc., the employer needs to act on it as soon as possible in attempt to resolve it before it proceeds to a constructive dismissal claim. Bianca, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And uh, from myself, Yasa Yaslaki Isma, I most certainly hope that we'll see you again to shed some light on another topic relative to our complex South African labor law. So from us here in studio, missing Mr. BGD, of course, as always, get in touch with us. Pop us an email on sesk at labornet.com. Let us know what you thought of the show. Let us know if there's any topics you'd like us to discuss or hit us up on social media. And of course, uh, we'll gladly get back to you. So from myself, Yasa Yaslakit Ismail and Bianca from the studio today, cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by Labornet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, 
go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.